welcome back to Christian's Colloquy. I'm Christian, and I'm so glad that you could join me this week. Given that it's February, where many of us are thinking about and discussing black history, I thought it might be appropriate to bring you into some of my own studies. As many of you know, I'm pursuing PhD studies on evangelical Anglicanism of the 19th century, and as things have played out in discussion with my committee, my supervisors, as I thought more about what I want to do in context of my passions and my family history, many of my studies now are focused on evangelical involvement in the West Indies. So looking at evangelical Anglican missions in places like Barbados, Jamaica, Guyana, and beyond. So. What does that have to do with Black History Month and the topic of this video? Much of the activity of evangelicals in the 19th century was in opposition to slavery. As evangelical missionaries arrived in the West Indies, one of their chief concerns would be how to effectively evangelize enslaved Africans, how to educate them, and ultimately, for many of them, how to promote the end of the slave trade and the institution of slavery itself. So today, I'm bringing into bringing you into my studies, especially as many of you are already thinking about these topics given it's February, and we're discussing early evangelical relations to abolitionism. Particularly, given my context and our context here, we're talking about the abolition of slavery and the slave trade in the British Empire in the early to mid 19th century. Anyway, that's what we're talking about today. We, let's dive in, and unfortunately, we have to dive in with one of the harder topics within this field. As many of you know, will know, evangelicals were unfortunately complicit in the slave trade and even owned slaves themselves. This is especially hard to recognize, as many of you will know that some of our favorite evangelical preachers, theologians, heroes, some of the great revivalists of the early evangelical revival, that first great awakening in America, they themselves were active in slavery. One example, a big example, is Jonathan Edwards, that great revivalist preacher from New England. He purchased and owned slaves. That is a hard thing to grapple with. That is one of the most wicked activities we know from looking at what slavery was and what it is in many parts of the world today, that this is a tremendous abomination, a vile deed, a vile act. And here we know from the historical record that Jonathan Edwards, that great revivalist who was used so powerfully by God to bring thousands to salvation, he owned slaves. But as we recognize that, as we condemn that, strongly condemn his ownership of slaves, we need to recognize that there's nuance there. While Edwards owned slaves, he actually condemned the slave trade. What's going on there? Well, I'll leave it to you for further study. I'll have links for everything I talk about down below, but just a few highlights. Edwards, while he embraced slavery, he embraced it as a necessary evil. More than that, he distinguished between domesticated slavery, so slaves who were already owned generations down below, and the active Atlantic slave trade. So slaves that were already enslaved, that was one thing. But he saw the practice of man-stealing, of kidnapping people from West Africa and transporting them. He saw that as vile. Thirdly, and a final point to consider, Edwards himself also distinguished between the practice of New England slavery, which he saw as more humane, compared to the slavery he saw in the American South, and especially the Caribbean. Whatever we think of that, and of course we're still condemning slavery and the slave trade and Edwards' involvement, it's worth recognizing the nuance, it's worth appreciating that, so that we can properly engage in this conversation, especially as Edwards is a theological hero to so many. 
Another figure that many people will be aware of, given news recently about monuments and statues, is that George Whitfield, that great, great revivalist, one of the first Methodists, someone who was so influential in many of our great other heroes coming to faith, he owned slaves. And more than that, and this is difficult, incredibly difficult, is that he pushed for slavery to be adopted in the colony of Georgia. So, for a bit of history, again, there's a link to a podcast down below that unpacks this with detail. Georgia, the governor there, he was insistent he didn't want slavery. He saw it as vile, he saw it as abominable, he saw it as against the word and will of God, especially as practiced in the Atlantic. But Whitfield, he pushed for it actively. And it's worth recognizing that he did so with a nuanced reason. Whitfield, being a passionate evangelical, wanted to operate an orphanage in Bethesda, Georgia. He wanted to have this Bethesda orphanage. It's near Savannah, Georgia. And he believed that to provide that orphanage, uh, compelled by the call of Christ to care for the orphan and the widow. So this great calling, this great deed, he felt like he needed slaves to operate the grounds, that he needed enslaved African men and women to be able to run this great orphanage. So here we see the nuance, and while I will be clear, we are condemning the practice of slavery, we are condemning George Whitfield's push to have slavery in Georgia, I think it's worth recognizing that he did so with this reason of running an orphanage. So I'm not saying that that excuses that in any sense, but I think it's this powerful picture of how even the greatest deeds, because of our sin nature, because of our fallen state in the world, they could be tainted by the most vile evil. That's something we need to consider as we look at anybody throughout history. While we condemn their wicked acts, we should take them in context and see how we could have a discussion about it. It certainly adds color to the picture, where we could see, even for ourselves, how some of the people who've done the greatest good also have done some wild, wicked deeds, such as owning and pushing for slaves in Georgia for Whitfield. Anyway, that's what we need to recognize on the ground. There was evangelical involvement, support, and even defense of the slave trade, and in these cases, of the practice of slavery. But here's where I want to turn our episode for what we're talking about for most of today, is that we need to recognize many people in our world today like to assume that evangelicals were all about slavery, that they were pushing a white man's religion, that they wanted to oppress Africans. And while that there is some dark history there we need to recognize, wrestle with, and affirm. We also need to recognize and showcase and remember the great other side. The leading figures in the abolition movement within the British Empire in the late 18th and early 19th century were evangelicals themselves. Evangelical people, evangelical Christians were the great force behind abolition in the British Empire. Today, for the rest of our time, I want to introduce you to some of those evangelical figures who fought against the slave trade and slavery tooth and nail with all they had prayerfully invested in scripture and compelled by the call of Christ. Let's dive in. The first figure we need to recognize in this is John Wesley. John Wesley being that first great evangelical preacher, someone we might herald as the founding father of English evangelicalism, of British evangelicalism. That Wesley, he was so influential in fighting against the slave trade and slavery. 
If you're interested, down below, check it out. I have a link to his Thoughts Upon Slavery, published in 1774. He was active, he was vocal, and he was incredibly critical of the slave trade. He spoke out against fellow evangelicals, allies, who were invested in slavery. Again, for those who don't know, Wesley and Whitfield were dear friends. They opposed each other on a few theological points, but they also opposed each other on slavery. It's interesting to note here that as many of us look at Edwards and Whitfield, those evangelicals who were invested in slavery, who even promoted slavery, many of us might feel like it's appropriate to say, well, they were men of their times. They should get a pass. They didn't know any better. Or that was just the what was going on in the world at the time. That is not an excuse. And we know that because Wesley who was active at the same time as Whitfield and Edwards, who had a relationship with these men, he understood, he recognized the evil of slavery. And he certainly wasn't the first. He was building on a longer tradition, especially found among the Quakers, who recognized based on scripture, based on reason, that Atlantic slavery, the slave trade, the practice of slavery was wrong. Wesley is a great example of that, and someone who actively, vocally spoke out against it, armed with and inspired by his evangelical spirituality. Another figure. Here we have to consider John Newton and closely associated with him, William Cooper. Newton, many of us will know, he is the author of Amazing Grace, that great hymn we still love to sing today. He was actually involved in the slave trade, active in it. And there's a great story, I encourage you, get to know Newton, check him out, learn about him, read a biography about him. He had this profound conversion experience and eventually became one of the leading critics of slavery. You could check it out, his 1778 work, Thoughts Upon the Slave Trade. Associated with him, William Cooper, a great figure. I have an episode on him on my channel, one of my popular ones. He was a poet, a passionate hymnist, closely working with Newton, and he has this brilliant poem, The Negro's Complaint from 1778, where he outlines from a particular perspective the horrors and ills of slavery, especially as it relates to the practical experience of enslaved Africans. Newton and Cooper, who were based in Olney, they became strong allies of William Wilberforce, the evangelical member of parliament who spearheaded the Slave Trade Act of 1807. So, Newton and Cooper, as evangelicals, one uh, evangelical Anglican minister, another an evangelical Anglican poet, they closely worked alongside William Wilberforce, that great member of parliament who pushed legislation to end the slave trade initially, then slavery itself later in the 19th century. They were armed with and inspired by their evangelical spirituality, which was rooted in the word of God. And that's why they fought against the slave trade. The next figures we need to talk about are the Sons of Africa. The Sons of Africa was this great group, I encourage you look it up, that the Sons of Africa were these group of enslaved Africans who became based in England, in London. They were formerly enslaved, coming from the West, uh, West Africa, taken to the Caribbean, typically the West Indies, worked, had amazing and horrible experiences, but eventually by the grace of God and the help of evangelicals typically, found themselves both free and educated in London. And when they were free and educated in London, they took up the cause of their fellow Africans and spoke out against the slave trade. They worked closely alongside evangelical missions and societies, such as the Society for Affecting the Abolition 
abolition of slave trade, and they spoke out against slavery. One great example, Cuguano, uh, this great uh, writer, he wrote the thoughts and sediments on the evil and wicked traffic of slavery and the commerce of the human species in 1787. Closely associated with him, Odalao Equiano, we have an episode on the channel about him. He wrote about his own narrative coming out of slavery and then becoming an evangelical Christian. It's worth noting, again complicating our picture, that Equiano, someone who grew up in slavery, who knew slavery, the horrors of slavery, he still recognized and appreciated George Whitfield, the one who pushed for slavery. And again, while that isn't an excuse for Whitfield, we can't just say, oh, Wheatley and Equiano liked him, it must be okay. We have to recognize that this is a complicated picture, one that is worth our critical examination. And while we condemn the practice of slavery and those who promoted it, we must recognize that there was a lot more going on. We need to embrace all the facts so that we could have a proper God-honoring conversation. Anyway, the Sons of Africa, brilliant group, get to know them if you can. Finally, briefly, let's talk about the Baptists. As many of you know, I'm a Baptist elder. I love Baptist history, especially English Baptist history. And it's worth noting, given that Baptists are often associated with slavery in the American South, Baptists in England were known for their opposition to slavery. So again, complicates the picture. Not all Baptists are the same. American Baptists in the South typically supported slavery, at least for a time, while English Baptists were some of their most vocal critics critics. One person to know, Abraham Booth, uh, an 18th century Baptist, he attacks slavery on biblical theological grounds. Again, I'll leave links down below to a lecture which talks about Baptists and the slave trade. Listen to that, check out the works. But Abraham Booth, critical, critical voice in condemning the slave trade and slavery itself. More than that, and this is getting later into the 19th century, especially against those American Baptists in and around the American Civil War, Charles Spurgeon, that great Baptist preacher, that leading Baptist of the Victorian era, he condemned slavery harshly, viewed it as vile, as, as, vile, as abominable, as wicked, as evil. He spoke out against it. And it's interesting, that brought him into great conflict with the American Southern Baptists who had all sorts of nasty attacks against him. But that, again, complicates the picture. We need to recognize you can find evangelicals on both sides. But we need to remember, we need to share with people that it was evangelicals, evangelical Anglicans, evangelical Presbyterians, Congregationalists, evangelical Baptists, who were the leading voices against slavery and the slave trade in the British Empire. Anyway, I hope this helps you as you think about these topics during Black History Month this February. I hope that this allows you to think critically about those evangelical heroes who were invested in slavery, but also helps you affirm and remember that there was a great evangelical voice, a great evangelical interest group represented by many societies. And this was white and black men and women who opposed slavery and the slave trade based on their strong evangelical convictions in Christ as their savior, in scripture as the word of God, and the active work of the Holy Spirit in both activism and social life. Anyway, I hope that this leads to some reflection on your part. I hope this is something, if you found it interesting and helpful, please share it. And I recognize this is an incredibly complex, complicated, and nuanced topic. If you have any questions, if you have any thoughts, please get in touch with me in the YouTube comments, on Twitter, on Discord, wherever you have. I would love to continue the conversation. Anyway, that's it for this edition of Christian's Colloquy. I hope you enjoyed, and I hope that I will see you next time. Take care.